You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Home of Michael K. Show, trivia champion. Yeah! Off and running on this Friday, July 10th. I did not get Brian with that. I thought I was going to trick him a little bit. He was going to be slow on the uh, on the catch, but no, he got it right away. Awesome job. Hey, good morning. Welcome in. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Lots to do on this Friday. We have to, I have to check to see if anyone else this week, right? It's Friday. I think this is the last day of the, the K show when they do Last Man Standing of the celebrities or friends of the show or see me uh, coming on and, and competing. I don't know if anybody else has won. I know Alan Hahn, was he on yesterday or two days ago? He was not able to win. And I know today they're going to have Keith Olbermann on. I don't know if that's a secret or not. Maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. But that's who's scheduled to be on. Now, if you tune in and it's not him, you know that he backed out. We'll just keep that a secret of the Gordon Damer show. But, of course, we have one hour to run through it all. We take you up until 6 o'clock. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. On Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is already up for today. It's up and running. We'll get to that in a little bit. Of course, we have the moment of inspiration. Today is Friday. Net picks and chill pick, which I got to tell you, it's been a while since I've had one that I have been really excited about. And after the whole problem with uh, Giri Haji or Giri Haji or however you pronounce it, who did that thing fall apart? Oh, my God. It's, it's a colossal collapse. Like, in terms of show collapses, Game of Thrones was nothing compared to this. But I have one today. When you hear it, you are going to brush it aside. You're going to say, Gordon, there's no way I'm sitting on a Saturday night, even as bored as I am, stuck with the family in the house again for another week. There's no way I'm watching this. But I'm telling you, if you trust me and you watch it, And you give it a chance. And I went into it begrudgingly. I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest. Begrudgingly, I went into it. This was a wife pick. But you know what? Every once in a while, the wife picks a good show. And this show, which you've probably seen before in some different incarnation, this show, the first episode of which, very thought-provoking, has stayed with me. I think I watched it Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And even today, as I woke up, I was thinking about it. So if you like a show, if you want a show where you just check out and you're just brainless, this is not the show for you. But if you like something that makes you think, geez, how the hell did that happen? This is the show. Not the Gordon Damer show. That won't. (laughs) That's not what this show is about. Uh, But the show that we will be recommending during our net picks and chill pick, that is one. But all right, let's get started, right? We've wasted enough time and we only have an hour. I bring this up all the time, and I'm always puzzled how I run out of time at the same time every single morning. If you were to put this week somehow into a time capsule and pull it up some date in the future, 10 years from now, and you just pulled it out and you took a look at it, you would have to say this week, specifically, maybe this year, but specifically this week was a big week for stupidity. Stupidity has been running rampant this week. Now, you might say, Gordon, that is not really 
you know, exclusive to this week, I will grant you that. But think about how we started the week and think about how we're ending the week. Now, I'm not going to tell you the stories I'm going to bring up or anything dumber than the whole Deshaun Jackson thing, which we, I said at the time. It's going to go, we've seen countless players, countless athletes, countless people run into trouble doing dumb things on the Internet. It's going to be a very, 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 very long time. Who knows if we'll even be alive for it. But it's going to be a very long time before someone does something dumber than what Deshaun Jackson did. But if you were to put this week into a time capsule, that's the way the week started. But it's not like just because that was the dumbest thing doesn't mean there weren't other dumber things, too. Two stories yesterday that I saw, and maybe you saw, and I think the only reaction you can have to yourself is, I'm sorry, what? What? The first one. Uh, regards the NFL as part of their health and safety protocols for the season. The NFL has decided that they are going to ban jersey swaps with players after the game, right? Like after the game's over, guys take off their jersey, you know, the soccer t- tradition, you know, guys do that. Okay. And as soon as you, and the reason they're doing this is over concern about coronavirus. Now, you know me, I take this very seriously. Everybody at one time, I think, was a little naive about the seriousness of it. I know I was. The NBA got shut down. Next day, feel a whole lot differently. Now, maybe it took you a little longer to feel like this was serious. But as soon as you, you know, there are some things that are just dumb. And as soon as you hear that, it's ridiculous. And the only take you can have is, And it's one that's common, right? As soon as you hear that story. So let me get this straight. Because maybe it's me. I ask my wife all the time, is it me? And a lot of times she says, yeah, Gordon, it's you. So maybe it is me. But I don't think so. You're telling me you can play football. Professional NFL football. Well, professional football, but the Dolphins are going to play. The Jets are going to play. All that that entails. Four hours of running around, banging into each other, tackling, grabbing, sweating, spitting, God knows what else. I mean, like, it's common knowledge, right? Offensive linemen pee their pants all the time, right? Like, everybody knows this, right? I'm not saying every single one of them does, but when they have to go, they just go right in their pants. The fact that Depends has not picked that up. as I mean, that would be the guy that I know they've had other athletes, but I digress. So you can do all that stuff, right? Tackling, running into each other, grabbing each other, sweating, blood, sweating, tear, everything. Swapping jerseys after the game. No go. We got to be safe, guys. Don't take off those jerseys and hand it to somebody else because then the risk just... I, I mean, are, are we serious? I don't know what, where that was put in terms of the, uh, the level of importance. It should be last. I don't know what else is on the list. That one should be last. Shouldn't even really be on the list. Like, you're not going to get... If you go through a four-hour football game, and again, all that that entails, and you didn't get the virus from that, the odds that you're going to get it from a jersey swap are basically zero. I mean, that, that's ridiculous that that would even be on the list. I mean, has fumbling been banned? 
Are we not going to see any dog piles when, when there's a fumble? I mean, th- you're going to be playing football. If fumbling's been banned, th- banned, that would be awesome news for Daniel Jones. I mean, that would be fa- I mean, that would be huge news for him. He would be the MVP. If this was presented in the onion, that story, it would make sense. The fact that it's not is ridiculous. It's almost as bad as almost as bad as um, actually I think it's actually no it's almost as bad the NBA rule about players living in the bubble playing games all that goes into an NBA game living in close quarters but not allowed to be playing uh, doubles ping pong <laughs> right doubles it's been uh, verified that doubles ping pong just takes the the risk level from from this to that it's just off the charts. No jersey swaps is going to be devastating to Odell Beckham. I mean, sometimes that's the only time you see him these days. But that's dumb. It's dumb. There's no other way to put it. It's dumb. Then there's uh, Major League Baseball umpire Joe West. Maybe you heard. Obviously, everybody, if you're a baseball fan, you know uh, Joe West, longtime umpire. In fact, he is 65 games shy of breaking the record for most games umpired, which is, uh, is impressive especially because my entire life that I have been aware of sports and Joe West, I've been aware because he's been a terrible umpire. But let's leave that out. So the Athletic went to Joe West and asked him if he was going to opt out of the season. West is 67 years old. He is considered to be in the high-risk category. Now, he could have opted out and been paid but he wants to work. He feels like he would be letting people down, which I look, that's, uh, I consider that noble, right? Like there's a part of everyone. I think that, um, you know, you want to be doing the right thing. You don't want to be cowering from uh, the virus, but you want to be safe. You want to be smart. Well, the, the safe part and the smart part, uh, look, uh, the fact that he wants to work again, noble. But the other part is, is that he, the reason why he's going to work is not just because he wants to uh, not let people down, but because he does not believe that 130,000 people have died of coronavirus. <sighs> Quote, those statistics aren't accurate. This is Joe West talking to The Athletic. I don't care who's counting them. When country music singer Joe Diffie died, they said he died of coronavirus. He had stage four lung cancer. The coronavirus may have accelerated his death, but let's be realistic. Our system is so messed up that they've emptied the hospitals because there's no elective surgery. The government has been giving these hospitals extra money if someone dies of coronavirus. So everybody that dies is because of coronavirus. I don't care if you get hit by a car. It's coronavirus. Well, the most honest part of that was uh, Joe West saying, I don't care who's counting them. Not shocking that we didn't have to wait for the baseball season to get another bad call by Joe West. Usually you have to wait until the season starts. I mean, people need to stop getting their news from Facebook. And it certainly seems like Joe West is uh, more than naive. Uh, I think he's just being dumb. Uh, I don't really think that there's any other way to put it. Mainly because uh, the one thing that he talks about, Joe Diffie, uh, Duffy, I don't know him, but... uh, It turns out he did not have lung cancer. He didn't have cancer. His father died of cancer. And that that's what's being twisted to say that uh, Joe Diffie died of cancer. 
and not of coronavirus. And the family has seen this and come out and said, this is fake. Please stop spreading these lies. So again, you know, it's the old line. You're entitled to your own opinion, but not your own facts. And the troublesome part is that Joe West's job, what is his job? It's based on judgment. And it's scary that something that is so clear-cut and obvious. And here is someone that even the baseball umpire union has to come out and say, whoa, 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 he doesn't speak for us. It's just dumb. And that you would, I mean, it's one thing to think these things. It's another one to say them out loud. And it's a far greater crime to be saying them out loud in something you know is an interview. Again, you're entitled to your own opinions on things, but not your own facts. And the facts are pretty clear. And it seems like Joe West, unfortunately, is one that is just not taking it seriously and, in fact, believes things that are just completely untrue. So there you go. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I always like to get the dumb stuff out of the way right off the bat. And those two are, are pretty dumb. But coming up, we'll get your phone calls involved. Not going to insult the callers like that. That's not me. After all, I am Michael K. Show trivia champion Gordon Damer. Humble, honest, and dominating in terms of uh, sports trivia on the Michael K. Show. Uh, but coming up, Knicks interviewed Tom Thibodeau yesterday. Oh, boy. He's the front runner, right? You have the college football news from yesterday, the Mets possible sale where everybody I, – I just, it just seems like everybody's not focusing on the right stuff. I keep seeing these numbers. Yeah, the numbers are great, but that's not what's really important, is it? I have been informed that on Tuesday, Dave Rothenberg was on Last Man Standing, and he won. But that does not mean that Dave is Michael K. Show trivia champion. My reasoning for that is, yeah, that would be me. No, don't play the song for Dave. Everybody loves Dave at the station more than I. Um, But, no, that does not mean that Dave would be champion. The first person to take down the champion is the champion, right? Like, if you have a champion in, in boxing or UFC or wrestling or wherever, and that person takes on the champion and they beat him, the next guy who takes him on and beats him, they don't become – no, the championship, the championship is with me until I have a chance to defend my title, which I don't plan on doing anytime soon. Oh, Brian O'Halloran was on on Wednesday. He lost. Alan Hahn, he was on yesterday. He lost. So then you get Keith Oberman today, and we'll see if he, he can uh, match up to my lofty standards. I, I don't, I, look, I don't know what to expect. Who knows? Obviously, if they're baseball questions, Keith would be, you would think, right, he would go in with um, a, a huge, uh, vast knowledge of all these sports, but you never know how these things turn out. After all, I won. <laughs> On with hockey questions. They tried to submarine me, and it didn't work. Didn't work. All right, so it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. You might be thinking to yourself, how long is Gordon going to talk about this stupid – I'm going to talk about it forever, people, until I lose. Then it'll be out of my mind. All right, so um, we opened the show with uh, stupidity, but we'll move on to other things. Well, maybe not. 
The Knicks, they uh, had an interview yesterday, continue to roll through the interviews. Got a lot of them to do, right? They want to be able to uh, have a new head coach in place by the end of the month. And uh, yesterday, formally interviewed uh, Tom Thibodeau. He remains the front runner, according to Woj and, and basically everybody else, including myself. I, I've said before, the chances that Tom Thibodeau gets hired as Knicks head coach, they're not 100%. But they're 99.9999999. So our poll question today is who's going to be the next Knicks head coach? Is it Tibbs or literally anyone else? And at least so far, it's been actually pretty close, which I'm surprised. And I guess at least part of that is that it is the Knicks, right? So you can't rule anything out. So, so I'm not going to uh, you know, trash people who are saying it could be anybody else. But again, it's not who you want. It's about who's going to get the job. And, I mean, leave it to the Knicks, right? They're going to interview 25 people, and they're going to end up hiring the guy. We all knew they were going to hire to begin with. I mean, the Zoom meetings are off the charts, but we all know it's almost certainly going to be Tom Thibodeau. Now, what's interesting is is that who it seems like is the, is the runner-up, at least right now, might be Jason Kidd. And the reason for that is that Jason Kidd has a big fan in World Wide West. But let's focus on Tibbs for a second. And I bring this up whenever his name comes up. There are some positives. And it almost seems like the negativity surrounding Tibbs is a little bit overblown. And maybe part of that is uh, is with Nick fans, right? They're, they're so into their team uh, that any slight negativity is going to be you know, pushed a little higher than it really should be. There are positives. Uh, the first one of which, the Knicks have gone out on the limb with the last few hires. And they've gone out on that limb, and it, the limb has not held. <laughs> the, limb, the, the limb has been a disaster. I mean, Fisdale, Derek Fisher, Jeff Hornacek. So, look, you're going to go with, I think, an established guy. I think all the, the assistant coaches that they're interviewing I don't think really have a chance, and maybe it's just about, you know, and, and that's a smart thing. Interview as many people, get as many ideas as possible. No problem with that at all. Get everyone that's going to be on the same page, and it seems like, based on the relationship between Leon Rose and World Wide West and Tom Thibodeau, that everybody would be on the, uh, the same page. And you have to be fair Tibbs did take two young teams to the playoffs, one of which, I mean, the Bulls, they were seen as a a, a contender, maybe not uh, the overall favorite, but they were seen as a contender, an up-and-coming team, and then, of course, everything that happened with Derrick Rose. So I don't think it's the worst hiring in the world. It's not hiring some guy you have no idea about who's just like this hot assistant who has no track record whatsoever. You kind of know what you're getting with Tibbs. And I'll be honest with you, the worst idea to me would be hiring Jason Kidd because he might be able to get you in a room with Giannis two years from now. I mean, that has to be the dumbest idea in, of all the different options. Like, I'm not high on a lot of guys that are, you know, uh, that get mentioned from time to time. But the days of the Knicks making moves based on the, the ability to attract people who are not on their team rather than focusing on somebody who could actually impact their team as the head coach, right? Like the guys you have right now and making them better rather than worrying about some other guy on some other team. Uh, that, that should, uh, those days of thinking like that should be gone. Let's get a guy who can actually positively impact the people we already have and may get 
in terms of uh, the draft, but not uh, in terms of free agency. So whoever you hire, it should be about development. So while there are some positives, it's not the worst thing in the world. And you'd have to say, if you hire Tibbs, I think he's a better head coach than Mike Woodson. You know, what's really troublesome is that the days that you hired Mike D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni has a pretty good track record of success and yet didn't really have a whole lot of it with the Knicks. And the Knicks would have been better off allowing Mike D'Antoni to just do whatever he wanted to do and run the show, and they would probably be in a far better shape than they are right now. But at least in terms of Tibbs, you'd have to say he's the best coach they've had at least since Mike Woodson, probably even before that. Now, D'Antoni's track record with the Knicks is not good, but he's, you know he's a good coach. He's not a bad coach, but he was not good here. So the problem I have with Tibbs is that it doesn't really uh, – it's not that it doesn't matter. Obviously, you want to have a good head coach, but whoever you bring in, it's not going to be about winning now. The Knicks are going to be, like, if, if, if next season happens in the normal time, I mean, whenever next season happens, barring some, you know, a realignment of the league or redrafting of the players, the Knicks are going to be bad again. They have one of the least talented rosters in the sport, and getting someone who's going to squeeze, you know, an extra five to eight wins out of that group so it'll look like you are showing progress is not really the most important part of this. To me, it's about developing who's on your roster and finding out if you have anything on your roster and what it is that is worthy of development. You know, you like some young pieces that the Knicks have on their roster, but Knicks fans get carried away thinking, oh, this guy's going to be good and that guy's going to... You know, to me, it's about, obviously, R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. And then, to me, the third guy on that list would be Damian Dotson. But that's about it. I I don't know what else you could... You know, I'm not... uh, I don't think that anybody coming here is going to all of a sudden be able to unleash Frank Nilakina or uh, Dennis Smith Jr. or anybody else. I don't think it's a very talented roster, and it's going to have to have a whole lot of churn over the next couple of years. And while Tibbs, if you were on the brink of being a playoff team or on the verge, you know, you had a very talented but underachieving roster, well then I'd say, you know what, Tom Thibodeau, Absolutely, that's the guy to go this next three to five years. Bring him in, even though he's got a reputation of you know, grinding guys down over time. Uh, at least in this window, that would make sense. That's not where the Knicks are in their stage of development. And it almost feels like the Knicks are always trying to short-circuit that and, and end up not developing at all. It's always about the quick fix. It's always about the shortcut. It's always about the get-rich-quick scheme. And those things don't generally pan out. And it feels like, to me, hiring Tibbs is to, to make it seem like, you know what, look, we were here and now we're there, but is there any real progression? Yeah, it's, it's better to you know, not be a, a, the laughing stock of the league. And with this roster, maybe he can get you to you know, 30, 32 wins. Great. That's not re- you know, is that capping it out, though? Is that, is that maximizing the future of the team in the process because you have a guy who's, who's focused on winning now and, and that's pretty much – it's not really about development. To me, um, you know, I, I've been on record as saying Kenny Atkinson would be the guy I would hire and never look back. It certainly does not seem like that that's the case. Uh, I guess the, the one positive, as it brought up, is not the worst thing, right? I don't think that they're going to hire Jason Kidd, which to me, that mindset – 
is the wrong mindset. Now, look, the other part of it that I think is damaging, I, I don't want it to be about chasing free agents, but free agency is a way to improve the team. So I'm not saying don't sign any free agents. It's just don't bank on being able to sign this superstar or that superstar because you don't have anything here for them to come to. No, it, it's, we have come to the decision now, clearly, after all this time, no one is being allured simply by uh, New York and winning in New York. Nobody's coming here for that reason. You have to build something before anybody's going to agree to come here unless you're just paying them way more money than anybody else, and that's not a right, the right way to go either. But if you hire Tibbs, I mean, is he? let's say he's able to get more out of R.J. Barrett. Mitchell Robinson really shows progress, and whoever they draft this year – uh, comes in and, and plays well, and you have a little bit of a core going together. Is Does Tom Thibodeau have the reputation around the league that an established superstar is going to feel comfortable saying, you know what, that's my guy. That's the guy I want to play for. It doesn't seem like that that would be the case. So, again, I don't want to base all my hopes and dreams on signing a free agent, but... When you do get to a stage, hopefully, where the, the Knicks are, are developing something, uh, you are going to probably add via free agency, and it's pretty clear that the Knicks will always do that. Uh, I don't know if Tom Thibodeau is the, is the right guy to be in charge that's going to uh, help in that pursuit. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the Met sale, right? It seems like things are ramping up. Yesterday, first day for uh, first offers and, uh, you know, the names at this point. It it certainly seems like, well, there's a lot of people making bids, right? I think there was four or five bids, according to the reports I saw. The main ones, Steve Cohen, who has already been at least close to, uh, made an offer before, came close before the deal fell apart. You have the A-Rod group, which is also being referred to as the J-Rod group, so I hate that already. Uh, but Cohen is reportedly offering, according to Fox Business, $2 billion for the team, $2 billion for SNY. So he's going in strong, aggressive offer, right? The A-Rod group is reportedly at $1.7 billion. And the Cohen, uh, his bid, is st- he is still seen as the favorite. And yesterday, everything that I saw, oh, Cohen's the favorite, he's offering this, it's all about this, th- th- here's his money, all these different things about the money, the money, money. The bigger part of this to me, and the bigger question, and nobody has really answered, and maybe it's, it's I mean, you can't get to the Will Ponds. Maybe they're not going to answer this question because the, the bidding. Pro- but the real question is, are the Will Ponds going to take the highest offer? Is that what it's all about? They're just going to simply go with whoever has the highest bid because they don't have to. We, we heard from uh, Darren Ravel the other day that they don't have to take the highest bid. And do they have any resentment for Steve Cohen based on the fact that the last time the talks broke down didn't exactly make the Wilpons look good? Now, that wasn't because Steve Cohen. It was because a lot of – I mean, that's a, that's a running theme with the Wilpons. It seems like every time that there's some sort of involvement in buying into the team, that guy David Einhorn a few years back – Seems like even when the, I think that the Wilpons bought the team from Nelson Doubleday, wasn't there something like that the evaluation was made like ridiculously low and, and Nelson Doubleday was pointing to the fact that the Wilpons and, and Bud Selig were friends? I, mean, I, I vaguely remember that, and I don't remember much, but I remember that. 
So the real questions to me are, will the will Ponds take the highest offer? Do they have any resentment for Steve Cohen with the way things broke down last time? And most importantly, will the Will Ponds be willing to take less to keep some level of control? It seems pretty clear that the Will Ponds don't really want to sell as much as they kind of have to sell. And one of the stipulations last time with Steve Cohen when he was offering $2.6 billion was that the, the Wilpons still got to run the team for another five years. I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, it seems like they're in a more desperate situation this time. But are they still pushing for that? I think that they probably will because they have a, it's not like there's just one person interested, right? If, it was only, if Steve Cohen was the only guy coming to them and saying, all right, now I'll offer you only $2 billion, then I think that, all right, they'd have to be say, I would think, based on it seems like the desperation to sell the team, they would be forced to say, you know what, we, can't, we, we don't get to keep any portion of the team, we don't get to keep Jeff Wilpon in a role, okay, fine, give us the $2 billion and away we go. But it seems like they have a lot of interest. Now, I don't know what the other groups are offering, but to me, it would seem like $1.7 and $2 billion, there's not, it's $300 million, but I don't know. With the Wilpons, I would not be willing to bet just because Steve Cohen is willing to go to $2 billion and the second group is at $1.7 that they would automatically take the $2 billion. Because nobody has said to me, as far as I've seen, that the Wilpons are definitely taking the highest offer. And there is, I would think, even now, a bit of a... Like, if you were making a deal with somebody, right, and they offered you one thing, let's say $2.6 million, let's put it a little, $2.6 billion, now it's $2 billion, and the deal broke down last time. I don't know, I'd feel like there would be a little bit of a resentment that the guy who is now trying to buy the team, the same guy is now getting a $600 million discount from where it was. Now, again, the desperation level, the financial desperation, maybe it's so great that the Mets just have to take the best offer and go about their lives. But I would still be concerned that the highest bid will not be the winning bid. The 3-2. That one's drilled deep to left field. Going back, Joyce. Looking up. See ya. Oh, Michael K., the call. Derek Jeter's 3,000 hit. Yesterday was the anniversary, right? I think it was yesterday. So yes. our moment of inspiration for this Friday. We've made it to Friday. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York. We take you up until 6 o'clock. Of course, the Gordon Damer Show. Home of Michael K. Show trivia champion. I'm having T-shirts printed up, so uh, maybe we'll get those out. You know, maybe we'll get uh, a uh, selection of them, and uh, maybe we can uh, send those out to uh, as prizes. Get the you know, get other people invested in this as much as I am. Uh, all right, so uh, poll question up for today on Twitter at Gordon Damer is about uh, the Knicks interviewing Tom Thibodeau yesterday. You can vote on that, and at least so far. Literally anyone else is uh, leading. Now, this is, again, it's not about who you want. I think people sometimes confuse that. It's about who will actually get the job. And to me, this one is not even close. I mean, it's, it's obvious. I mean, this is typical Knicks. 
<laughs> interview 25 people, and then hire the guy that you... Th- now, in fairness, they can't go outside the box again. And to me, the box should include one or two people. The number one would be, to me, the, the, it just seems like it's perfectly lined up. You have a, te- a young team that needs some development. Hey, here's a guy who has a track record of developing young players, getting the most out of them. And that would be Kenny Atkinson. But it does, I, it's pretty clear that I don't even know if Kenny Atkinson is number two. Like if Tom Thibodeau took his name out of the running, I don't know that Kenny Atkinson would even get the job then. And uh, to me, it's, it's, it's one would be Kenny Atkinson. And that I guess maybe two would be Tibbs. I don't think it's a perfect fit. Uh, I don't think it's a, even a very good fit. But I don't... I, of the people that they've hired, I think you can cross off all the assistant coaches. I don't think they can go down that road again. I don't think anybody has – I know it's a new regime, but I don't know if anybody has faith in them to uh, pick the right guy out of all those guys. I think you need somebody that's a little bit established, and Tibbs is obviously established. But um, All right, but you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. All right, so net picks and chill pick for this week. Now, as I said in the open – I'm going to say this show's title, and you, you know this show's title, and you're going to discount it right off the bat. Don't do that. That's what I did. I was wrong. Unsolved Mysteries is a show that was on for a long period of time, probably 20 years on NBC. Was it Robert Stack was the, the host? It was not something that was uh, must-see TV, but it would be interesting from time to time. So Netflix has picked up unsolved mysteries and i guess they're they're doing it themselves now now i went into it thinking i don't i mean this is this is silly and i've actually been watching there's a documentary series on hbo called i'll be gone in the dark i'll be gone in the dark i think that's what it's called and it's uh about it's a series it's not just one single episode so i've not seen the whole series yet it's not aired as of yet but it's been very interesting and very intriguing it's about the golden state uh the golden state killer which has obviously been in the news. But I'm not going to recommend that. Not yet. Not until I've seen the whole thing. Obviously, I've learned my lesson from Giri Haji, which was woof. But Unsolved Mysteries, the first, the very first episode. Now, I'm going to let you go in fresh. You know me. I, I like to go in fresh. I don't like to know a whole lot about it. But the first episode is about this guy named Ray Rivera. Young guy, recently, mar- recently married. Now, it's Unsolved Mysteries. So... Don't go looking for a a solution to it, right? But talk about thought-provoking. And it's not just that the ending is unsolved. There are so many aspects of it that you're like, wow, that's really strange. And it's almost impossible to come up with a plausible reason for like two or three different things. Now, usually, as I always say, the top things, that, you know, that, that ranking system that Netflix, Netflix has, generally, if you're in the top 10, it's bad shows. and People have terrible taste. So I went into this begrudgingly, but it is definitely worth your time. And if you watch it, it's an hour, right? Like an hour long. Uh, if you watch it with your spouse and you want something that's a little thought-provoking, this is the thing. Because you'll be thinking about it. I know I have. I, I think I watched it Wednesday. So... Even when I woke up this morning to get ready for the show, the first thing I did was just kind of look at different aspects of that case, and it's very, very odd. And here's another part of it that's really weird. Now, again, I'll let you go into it fresh, but he works for a company. The company he works for 
people, obviously, it's the number one thing on Netflix. So people have been talking about it. They've been tweeting about it. And every once in a while, people who have been tweeting about it have brought up the company's name, the company that he worked for. What's weird is that the company, even if you don't at the company, you just mention the company's name on tweets, the company will go find you and block you immediately. You don't think that's a little weird, right? Very, very odd. So I would, uh, it's a big, strong recommendation, certainly for the first one. I don't know how many episodes there are. I've heard that the third episode is really kind of thought-provoking and maybe the best one of the series. I've not seen that one yet. But the first two are very good, but the first one is the one that has really kind of stuck with me. So Unsolved Mysteries is our selection for Net Picks and Chill Pick this week. All right, let's get a couple of calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. We'll start things off with Richard in Manhattan. Richard, my friend. Gordon, before I get to my main point, with Mike Miller, I would keep him as a coach. That guy took Fisdale's players and did twice the job that Fisdale did. With Fisdale's place, plus he lost his best player, Marcus Morris, 15 games into the season. So you keep this into his uh, tenure. So this guy did nothing to do. Nothing, he did nothing wrong that justifies him being fired or let okay, go. Okay, but I think, Richard, yeah. him doing a better job with Fisdale's players Correct. is more of an indictment on Fisdale. Because oh, <laughs> Fisdale on. was terrible. I understand, but he did a very, very good job with those guys. Okay, Gordon, what's the common refrain in baseball? It's boring. It's slow. They depend on the home run. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, that's true. All right. Would you agree that stealing bases and bunting are two of the most exciting plays in baseball? Uh, not bunting. Stealing bases is exciting if it can be, you know. You don't think the bunt is an exciting no. play? All no, right. I, don't see, All I, right. I don't ever see a bunt and think, oh, my God, this is exciting. All right, here's my – I have two rule changes. All right. All right, for stealing, try it this year. Why not? Just for one year with the shortened season. Mandatory, each team must attempt one steal per game. <laughs> okay. Do you like it? No. You don't like it. Okay. I'm not a fan. Okay. Number two, as far as bunting, I love bunting. I think it brings in a lot of things, gets the players on the field moving – a lot of things can happen, errors, decisions. As far as bunting, instead of the automatic strikeout on two strikes, the batter is allowed one foul strike on a foul with two strikes on a bunt. In other words, you're allowed to bunt with two strikes, right. foul it off, and still come to the batter's box. But that's it, just one. All right. uh, to encourage a little more bunting. Okay. Well, two strike Richard- bunting. I, I, bunting is not one of the things that I would be looking to uh, get. Now, look, you do. I, I would like to figure out a way, and Richard, thank you for the call, to get more bats on the ball, right? Like that's part of the – it's not just the home runs. It's the strikeouts too, and it feels like uh, a lot of times that – especially when you get into extra innings, that a lot of times it's everybody's just trying to hit a home run, uh, and, and maybe that's the case overall. But, no, I, I don't like bunting because bunting is giving up an out, and uh, – I think it's been proven that the, the thing you want to do is, is to hoard those outs. Don't, don't give up any. It's not worth, the, it's not, uh, worth the, uh, the, the, the reward that you're going to get for the risk. Giving up outs is a bad strategy. So I think bunting, uh, look, I'm not telling you that it's uh, completely out, but I think now that pitchers aren't going to be hitting in the National League, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, rarer and rarer. Now, there will always be, I guess, some umpires who will still do it, but with um, the influx of uh, analytics, I think that more and more teams are realizing, yeah, that's, that's a bad strategy. 
and uh, should really only be used, I guess, in, in very specific instances. Well, I did want to play some of the Buster-only sound from yesterday. He was on with Barton Hahn talking about the Mets sale. Uh, let's play that first one just talking about the sale in general, Brian. Buster I only. do think it's going to be Steve Cohen, and I do think it's going to be for significantly less than what they talked about last fall, $2.6 billion. We don't know exactly what each of these groups is going to offer, but if you think of it like a poker table, the stack of chips in front of Steve Cohen that he can shove into the middle is a lot bigger than anybody else. Okay, and then uh, he says that Major League Baseball wants the Mets to be a powerhouse. Like, they need to pick an owner who's going to make sure that the New York Mets have the financial might that, that they deserve to have, that fans, you know, the Mets fans deserve to have. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, since I started, I moved to New York in 1997 uh, covering baseball, you know, the, the Mets have, have landed the Mike Piazza in a trade. They, they uh, you know, they won out in a, in a deal for Johan Santana. They signed him. But generally speaking, every time there's a big player on the board like a Gary Cole, we just assume the Mets are not going to be involved. They've never really gone toe-to-toe with the Yankees. It's always been the middleweight against the heavyweight. Steve Cohn buys that team. It's going to be heavyweight and, you know, versus heavyweight. And the assumption of an idiot like me that Francisco Lindor is probably going to wind up with the Yankees or the Dodgers, that'll change. Like, all of a sudden, guys like Francisco Lindor, Mookie Betts this winter, those type of players, those become possibilities. i got to believe that's something Major League Baseball wants to have. Yeah, uh, look, I just wonder how much of the Wilpons reluctance is still there to sell. I mean, the fact that he's offering $2 billion I thought was kind of surprising. I know that um, Darren Ravel thought that the offer would come under $2 billion. Uh, and and, and it, to think that it was going to be less than it was, I mean, obviously it was going to be less than 2.6, right, <laughs> given everything that has happened since then. Uh, I just wonder if the Mets will end up taking the highest bid based on the way things fell apart the last time and the, the fact that that guy is still making an offer and whether or not 1.7, the difference between 1.7 and $2 billion, whether that's enough for the Mets to, uh, to overcome that. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go out to uh, Lewis's and Whippany. Lewis, hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's going on? Hey, uh, before I get to my point, God, man, I wish you would have never told me about Space Force. That show was horrible. Oh my God, that was that was really bad. That was bad from start to finish. Giri Haji was yes. just bad at the end, but uh, yeah, Space Force. Woof! I don't know what they were thinking on like, that. We like we couldn't take our eyes off of it because we were, we were waiting for it to finally get funny, but it never did. Never the did. Just, no, no, it never did. The joke was on you, my friend. I told no, you yes. not to watch it. <laughs> yes, you did. I know. That just shows you how much Lewis is a hater. I say don't do something, and he goes right ahead and does it. Oh man! And but, by the way, how do you refer yeah. to me? Oh, uh, Michael K. Show trivia champion Gordon Damon. Yes. All right, continue. I'm sorry. Hey, uh, seriously, though, uh, isn't Derek Jeter the most overrated Yankee of all time? How, how do you mean? What do you mean? Like, the guy is not – Derek Jeter is – he was good, but he's not as great as people make him out to be. Like, he, even for a portion of his career, he wasn't even the best player in his own position. Like, he is extremely overrated. I mean – You can't say – you can't – 
Come on, you can't I mean, say he was better than A Rod. I mean, look, I will say this: there are some aspects of Derek Jeter because he won as much as he did. Does get there is a a, a um, thank you aura about him that gets overblown. Yes. But you could take all the intangibles, all the the winning, all the other stuff out of it. Take off the Yankees. Take out all of that and just look at the numbers. And he's a yeah, first ballot Hall of be, Famer. Yes, he would be, but he would just be a good, great. Well, he would be a great player. But see, he's a Yankee. He's like this. Over the top star, like even God, that play that gets replayed all the time. That that rally where he catches the ball, dude. He actually even slowed down the ball. He didn't even need to do that. The ball was still gonna get to the catcher on time. Like the whole no, oh no, you're out of your mind. Yeah, I thought you were talking yeah, about the play no, where he no. ran into the stands. No, you're out of your mind. No, absolutely, that, that, that uh, Lewis. Too. Thank you for that the call. No, too. you're out of your no. mind. You're out of your mind. There's no way if he doesn't make that play uh, in the series against Oakland. No, that that ball it will get there. I mean. As it is, with his involvement in the play, it barely beat Jeremy Giambi. And if Jeremy Giambi had slid, maybe you could make that argument. Well, if Jeremy Giambi had just been smart enough to slide on that play and, and try to avoid the tag, not that it would have slowed him down some, so who knows. Um, no, but without Derek Jeter's involvement in that play, Jeremy Giambi would have been safe. There, there's no – I mean, you can – Again, you can look at that. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. That is clear cut. There's no way that Jeremy Giambi, unless he just fell down, was going to be out on that play without Derek Jeter being involved. I thought he was going to say the play diving into the stands because the Yankee haters out there will, will point out, oh, you know, he didn't need to dive into the stands. He could have slowed himself down. It's not that great of a play. Okay, fine. But no, in terms of being over, I don't know who would be the most overrated Yankee. That will I will have to do. I mean, because it, again, it's not based on good or bad. It's based on what the rating is. And as I said, with Derek Jeter, you can take out all the other stuff. You can take him out being a Yankee. You can take him out. Uh, you know, uh, the, the intangibles or the winning or the the leadership. All those things that you really can't quantify. And just look at what his his own numbers are, and he would be a Hall of Famer. He had three thousand hits. His what it was the sixth most hits in the history of baseball. He's still going into the Hall of Fame. He's still going into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. So I, I don't know how he would be the most over. Now there are certain aspects that do get a little carried away. The one that I bring up from time to time on his baseball reference page, baseballreference.com, among his awards. I can't remember who it was. Was it Forbes or Time or something? They considered him the ninth best world leader. <laughs> I don't know. That one, I, you know, I, it's great that you won a whole bunch of World Series. Fantastic. But that doesn't really make you a good world leader. Bono, I think, was like seven on the list. Again, don't really know if he would make a good world leader. So if you're saying that there's certain aspects that can be a little bit overblown, yes. But an overrated Yankee? No, sorry. I don't know who the most over. Maybe we have to have that as a poll question next week. Most overrated Yankee. Yeah, I was thinking uh, of that of too. Time. It's tough. It's a good. That's a good question. Uh, obviously, Lewis did not come up with the answer, but we'll uh, we'll try to figure that out next week. Well, tomorrow I am back on on Saturday. I am filling in for Dave Rothenberg starting, I believe, at nine. So tune in tomorrow at nine. I'll be on with you, but we'll see you tomorrow, nine o'clock, nine a.m., ninety-eight point seven FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on ninety-eight point seven ESPN.